Right. So it's more like uh, we just kind of start and it's like, hey, how are you doing today? Everything's good, man. Like it's been a while since I've seen you and then boom, like that kind of thing. Yeah. I'll just be like, hey, man, welcome to the podcast. And then uh, and then we're we'll... <laughs> good to go. And then we're good okay, to go. Cool. <laughs> okay. Sweet. Hey, welcome to Gig Stories with Music People. I am your host, Evan Michael, at the Spacement Recording Studio in Los Angeles, California. This is episode number six, and my very special guest today is one of my best friends and also one of the strangest people I've ever had the pleasure to know. I always enjoy talking to him. He's a guitarist and a recording artist, Andrew Moore. He's currently in Canada, where he's from, but he spent a few years in LA where I met him. We ended up starting a band called Roger This, had some wonderful times, and then he left LA, released his own record in Canada, and then he spent a while performing all over China with a number of huge artists and bands over there and played on TV shows, like their version of American Idol. Some of the artists he performed with in China were Chris Lee, Dimash, Joe Lin Tsai, Chris Wu, the TF Boys, to name a few. And you can find out more at Andrew Moore, andrewrdmore.com, IG at andrewrdmore. I'm at Evan on the Bass and at the underscore Spacement, which is my recording studio. Remember to follow at Gig Stories with Music People on IG. Rate and review. Tell your friends. This one's a long one, but a good one. Let's get to it. Enjoy. Good to have you here, man. Good to have you with uh, Gig Stories with Music People. Oh, geez, man. I'm I'm so excited, but I'm also nervous because uh, this is my first ever podcast appearance. Awesome. Popping the cherry. Good to have you. Yeah. So yeah. you're in Canada. How's that going? Oh, you mean like music-wise? Are we talking COVID? Are we talking... Uh... Talk to me about the music scene in Canada. I'd be curious. Oh, geez. Well, okay. Um, I guess it depends on, it kind of depends on where you are, I suppose. Like my, my town has uh, been notorious for, uh, for a mix of country and metal, at least when I was growing up, that's kind of how it was. It's expanded itself for sure. But is that a combined, is that a combined genre country metal? It should, it should be. <laughs> I know they're combining country and like rap now. I've heard this rap artist that does. Country. Oh yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Oh, it's there's kind of cool. Of that. Not little yeah. Nas, little Nas X. Oh right, yeah, yeah. No, I haven't. Yeah. I haven't actually listened to him, but yeah, that's true. He would be country rap mix. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, when, when I was growing up in my in my city, it was a lot of either country or metal, and I'm not exactly sure why. But for some reason, those two genres were the were the big genres that everybody kind of you know got into. The thing about Canada that's kind of hard um, in terms of the music scene is that once you get once you get like a fan base in one city, you can't just drive like an hour to the next city. You know, right. you got to drive like four hours. Sure, and it hours. might be full of snow. <laughs> yeah, and you so everything is just so spread out. It's it's like it's you know. Then there's, I mean, the best places to be in terms of of music scenes have to do with you know population sizes, really. Yeah, I well, it's it's curious though that at sometimes the you know the lower pop populated cities sometimes have have a rabid fan base though too. Oh so, yeah, so yeah. that can be well, kind of. That's actually one of the reasons why I moved out of LA and back to Canada actually was for that reason. Yeah. Talk to me about that. So, so I know that, 
yeah, you said, you know, so you're living in L.A. for how long were you here for? Three and a half years. Three and a half years. Part of that on my couch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> part of that yeah. in an Astro yeah. van. Uh, yeah. You were the lovable Kramer character to my household. Mm. And um, I yeah, just talk to me about that, like that psychologically... I know that that was a tough time for you, you know, financially. Obviously, you're you're living in an, an Astro van by choice, but by, but by still, choice, yeah. um, well, half half choice, half we'll choice, it. right? Uh, but talk to me about that. Like, I know you said that you wanted to go back for for various reasons, but one of the one of the things was that uh, you thought being in a, being in your hometown was a good place to kind of like restart your yourself as an artist. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I just remember somebody telling me one time about the oversaturation of LA and how, and it, it makes total sense. Like when you and I were going to school, you could go to two shows a night and you'd still miss some. You know? Oh, you'd miss a ton. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was just all like, everything was, Oh, come see my band. Come see my band, you know, just $10 at the door or whatever. And all, all that. And I just, I just remember thinking like, I do want to play my own stuff and I want to play in, you know, I want to, I want to have that energy, like the bar energy, you know, but play my own stuff under that, under that situation. And uh, somebody suggested to me, like, look, go into a hometown or go into a smaller town. You actually have less competition and you can build a fan base off of that, which you can then extrapolate further from there. Um, so I just kind of, when I was making my decision after three and a half years in LA, it was pretty much down to either apply, do a long visa process for a green card or work permit or whatever, you know, uh, either that or go to Canada. And I thought, Canada has a music scene. We have one, you know, it's not as big as the US, obviously, but we have one. And what I'm, I could, yeah, continue down here, I guess, but I also have a country that I haven't even explored yet as a musician, really. And I also knew at that point in time, like, um, I hadn't even conquered my own city, you know, in that way. Kind of like nobody knew who I was as a musician in my own city. So I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go back to Canada. I'm going to start a band. I'm going to come out with a record. So I, I made a couple goals for myself, basically. Two main goals. One, fill a bar with people that aren't your friends and family. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, it's difficult. You know, the other thing was come out with a record, make it from scratch, make it good and be proud of it. You know, make something that you're proud of. And I'm still proud of it to this day. So. Yeah. It's really good, man. I, I yeah, I really like it. And you got a new, a new song coming out soon too, I, right? I do. Yeah. It's been a little, de it's been delayed like 16, 16 times. It should have come out last year. I'm an idiot, but what, what can you do? <laughs> you know, I've, I've had a couple issues. I had some computer issues and now it's just been delayed because, um, uh, I'm putting a music video out with it Oh, and I, I am just, yeah, my, my brother's actually going to film it for me. Nice. Uh, that's, that's what he does as a, he's a video production guy and he's just been really busy lately. So we're just timing the right the right time to get it done so uh next week actually is when we're going to be filming it and then once it gets done then uh, there'll just be a little bit of work to put it together and then and then it's going to be out the song's pretty much ready just as it is as uh as the audience doesn't know this but i i sent the song to you because you know you're a mixing guy now so i sent it to you like it was last week right yeah yeah i, I actually really really like the song a lot i i highly recommend you listen to it if you're listening 
this episode comes out like two weeks from uh, when we when we're uh, recording this. So who knows? Maybe it would be pretty close to when you're Ooh. releasing the song. It that should one. be. Yeah, should be yeah. right on then. Awesome. So uh, talk to me about. Uh, well, first off, that's exciting. Anytime you're releasing something, especially that's been a long time uh, that's right, yeah. uh, in the making, which I've got plenty of those for sure. But mm. uh, so you said you went from, you know, probably just friends and family showing up at shows to filling a bar. How did you go about doing that? And and how, how what do you think made it so successful that you were able to do that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think ultimately it comes down to the music being good. Sure. Um, and, you know, and also I think another thing that I, I, I see a lot with, with younger artists coming up uh, and people starting, like there's a, we make music that's so close to our hearts, right? That as soon as there's some criticism on it, it feels very personal, very fast. Sure. And I think the best thing that musicians can do for themselves is to take a step step back and and really really take the criticism that comes from people to heart. If people aren't listening to your music but you still like it, there there's probably a reason why people aren't listening to it. It's probably not as good as you think it is. Right? We all get caught up in this stuff because we created something, right? And that's great. We created something. But we all cut corners and we all don't go as far as we should. You know, so getting that proper feedback from somebody, but actually listening to it and not just dismissing uh, uh, either people's criticism or people walking out or whatever. If if you take that to heart and just go, ah, oh, well, fuck those guys, whatever, you know, then you're going to be stuck in your own. You're basically limiting yourself. So in, in terms of like how to get to the, that next level, it was a matter of like really listening to other musician friends and bringing, bringing my music out and being like, look, I want an actual honest opinion. If this was beside other records, like, tell me what, you know, and I got real opinions. I got like, oh, that's a five out of 10 song. And you're like, wow. oh man, that's, oh, I worked so hard on that. And it's only got a five out of 10 right. in, your, in your opinion. You know, that's hard. To, that's hard to take on the inside, but you got to take that. And then you got to, you know, also videoing yourself as well. Because that makes you a third person. It makes you not yourself listening to yourself anymore. It makes you as if you're one of your friends listening to yourself. So you have to be honest with yourself and really like disassociate your music from your feelings. That sounds like totally backwards <laughs> to say about music, but it's true in terms of like getting better. Just like get better. Like listen to what you sound like, be really good with your timing and get better. And like, look, in the words of Jack White, I saw Jack White doing an interview with Conan O'Brien actually. And they were talking about this stuff. And Jack, Jack White said, look, if you work long enough and hard about and hard enough at this, you, you would expect that something has to happen, but you gotta, you gotta put the work in. It's hours a day, hours and hours and hours and hours. So that's kind of, I guess, in a nutshell, how, you know, you slowly build yourself to a point of, of getting there. And also one last thing, yeah, there's a there's a fine line between playing songs that you want to play and playing songs that you know that the audience will get energy off of. So you kind of have to play in the middle there a little bit. You don't always want to just be like, oh, I really love this slower emotional ballad, and then this one also really tweaks my gears. So I'm gonna play that one <laughs> next, and then 
maybe I'll do this other really emotional song after. I'm not just picking on emotional songs, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Like when when I was so let's let's put this in perspective. Say I'm playing a song at one of the first shows, and I get really good um, uh, feedback over these three songs, and then these other two songs that I really like playing, but I noticed that the crowd didn't turn and look. They're still talking and everything pick up on that feedback and make changes. You know, you, you're a playing musician, like you're a playing musician for yourself, but when you go to do music live, you're there for them. Yeah. That's a great, there, oh man, there's so much to un- unpack there. That was, those are some great, great points you hit on. Um, that last one for sure, like kind of uh, realizing that that the audience is more important in that you know, in that setting than uh, just playing off whatever narcissistic <laughs> yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. things that you want to you want to go through. Uh, there were some things that, that that you mentioned really, really interesting. Uh, the, the point about videoing yourself, I think, is is great, great advice for anyone who's uh, just performance wise, trying right. trying to tighten things up, trying to figure out how to be better. Uh, that was something that really opened my eyes just as a bass player when I first started videoing myself and seeing like how boring it looked <laughs> to to watch me on stage and not you know you it's it's interesting that you don't to at least for me and I think most people that I've talked to feel this way too you don't really realize uh it, when you're on stage you feel like everything's bigger that you're doing than right. than it than it looks from the audience, so it, it takes uh, videoing yourself and watching that to realize like oh the, I remember that feeling of what I did that that looked that felt like I was like doing this these big gestures, uh, or at least that I was doing something interesting looking and on stage it's like this really small looking like oh I just like moved my arm a little bit or oh I I, <laughs> I walked a half a foot. And I yeah, you weren't for, quite doing the Pete Townsend windmill, were you? Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of space between those two things. So yeah. once I, I saw that, and pictures too, even, I would look at pictures and just be like, oh my God, it just looks like I'm just like a kid playing in a basement kind of a thing or a talent show. <laughs> right. uh, and so once I started seeing those things, that's when it was like, okay, if I see a camera, I'm going to ham it up. You know, yes. uh, and and try to try to make bigger gestures. Uh, at least, like I mean, it depends on the type of music and uh, and how long the show is. Uh, how much energy I felt like I needed to conserve mm. for for Endurance, like the long right. for like the long cover gigs and stuff. It's like if you're jumping around in the first set, uh, you're gonna have a rough night. So you yeah. kind of gotta figure figure yeah. out a balance. Uh, but one of the points you brought up, and there was so much to unpack, but. It was it was interesting. You're saying listening to to other people's feedback. I think there's there's a point counterpoint to that too, right? That if you if you always are listening to other people's feedback too much, you might never put anything out. And absolutely, yeah. So no, there's definitely a, yeah counter to that for sure. Yeah. So it's like trying to figure out where the balance is there. If you're if like nothing's, I, I don't know if you ever, you ever, you heard this, uh, we went through the, the same program 
at MI actually. Uh, I'm I'm wondering if you ever heard this quote, but somebody said, uh, I can't remember which teacher said it, but it was like, no mix is ever really done. It's just abandoned. (laughs) Yep. And that, yeah. So that, and maybe that's just a famous quote, but that's kind of a, a good thing to remember too, that perfection is not, is not the, shouldn't be the goal either because then you'll just never release anything. Well, I think that that applies to to all things in music. I think no no song is ever finished. Really, it's just you just good give enough, it up. <laughs> or yeah. just good enough. You know, like I I try to think about it at standards. Like, okay, is this at a standard that I'm proud of releasing, or I won't, or at least won't be embarrassed, uh, right? Releasing, which is tough, because uh, even. I mean, even the stuff that we've worked on that like I really love, but there's still a part of me. I I know that we could have done better with things. Right. So Same. there's always that part of me that's like, ah, uh, I want to show this to people, but I there's still part of me that, that wants to. And it's that feeling of when you show people music. I don't. I wonder if you get this too. I think a lot of people do, where it's like you constantly when you're when you're about to show them you want to be like well uh this was a little rushed yeah. and that caveats, well that, caveat, yeah caveat. all these caveats and i've been trying to stop myself from doing that cuz i know that's like such a horrible way to be introduced to a song right <laughs> you should, yeah. but there's something in me that wants to just be like hey i know this is this could be better um <laughs> you know this is pretty that's good we're, we're all in our own heads with that i mean we all we all start with like, cause we know what it sounded like before. And also this like, okay. So going back to, you want to pay, you want to pay attention to people's critiques, but you don't want to always follow that because then you're just doing what everybody else wants you to do. Yeah. I guess maybe like if I can be a little nuanced on that, because I totally agree with you. I mean, look, you know, my last record moth, it's not yeah. for the people. <laughs> we, we both know it's not for the people. It's, it's, it's what I, it was almost just like a, project that i just wanted to see if i could do it you know i want to see if i can make a record from scratch from the very bottom up and put it in a spot where it could be played on the radio and you wouldn't hear the difference right but i think more to get a little nuance i guess the critique can be more heavily put instead of like in terms of songwriting and things like that it's it's more critique on performance okay that's a good point yeah because people may not know why they don't they didn't really enjoy the performance so they have to like half fake it to say oh yeah great job but it's probably because you weren't as tight as you thought you were you probably didn't hit the notes you thought you hit in in the way you thought you hit them all of this little stuff you know yeah that's a great point i i really did like your point about uh reading the audience's energy right that's that's something that you know people do in 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 other fields, in comedy, uh, and and stuff like that, or or I guess maybe theater and and, and things, right? But you really are are trying to. I feel like it works both for originals and covers. Like whatever you're performing, pay attention to how how people are are receiving things. And this is a a conversation I've gotten into with previous bands, and it, and it was apparent to me that not everybody. Not everybody was aware of of that, uh, or or, right. or paying attention to it. And I and I always was kind of curious, like, is it is it something that where they're just 
too much in their own head when they're playing or or is there something else going on that like certain people are attuned to to that sort of thing i don't know but it's definitely something to to pay attention to i don't know if you you have it you can shed any light on that just how you how you feel like you read how you can read the audience's energy or uh it, it kind of comes over time, you know, a little bit, just the more you play, the more you can, you can see what's up. But I mean, there's obvious cues. Like if people are looking at you and talking or not talking, basically, sure. that's a good one. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like when you're playing in live performance, you, you have to, you got to start somewhere and you got to get burned a bunch because you have to build a callus and a skin. You know, I remember some of the first, like I used to do a lot of busking on the street. Sure. And also like little random coffee shop stuff and all of that type of stuff. And some of the some of the first like coffee shop shows that I did was just me and the acoustic guitar. And uh, thank goodness I had a hookup. My same brother used to work for an audio company, so he was able to get me just you know the basic PA setup for free. And I would just hang the banner of the company in behind just so they had some promo, you know. And I remember doing this at a Starbucks. It was like a Starbucks uh, bookstore like combo. And I set up for the Starbucks and I remember starting to play and by about maybe 30 seconds to a minute, like half the people would leave. Yeah. Like in direct, like I'm coming to play. And even if some <laughs> of them were just leaving because it was the end of their time, like I just started playing and half the crowd left. Tough. Feeling. 16 years old. Tough. Real tough. To, to Oh, you were to 16 continue. at that point. Oh, yeah. So this yeah. is pre pre L.A. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is pre, this is like, I had been playing guitar for like a year and a half, two years type of thing. Like pretty, pretty brand new to everything. And you know, that, that hurts to, you know, how do you continue? Oh, I've got, I've got 20 songs I want to play. First song, half the crowd leaves. Now I got 19 more, (laughs) No, And you, you learn to just basically get a skin for it and learn to, it's so, it's so crazy because it is a yin and yang because I'm going to contradict myself all the time because at that moment I started realizing the reason I'm up here is because I want to do this. This is for me. But at the same time, I just told you, you have to do it for the crowd. I don't know. Yeah, there is a yin and yang to that. That's a, that's a really interesting, is, is dichotomy the word? I don't know. Yes. Um, yes, that is the word. So, so what inspired you to come to L.A. then? Oh, man. Yeah, so basically I started with online classes at Berkeley. Um, oh, I, I did a like, couple of those. <laughs> oh, did you back in the day? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Before I before I came to LA, I wanted to just like feel like I I was. I mean, I I, I did like a theory one because I was just still a little intimidated by like taking theory at a at a college. So I wanted right. to get a base for that, and then I took like a base one just to like a see how that for that. <laughs> yeah, get a base for the base. Yeah. Uh, both really really fun. I mean, they weren't cheap. But they, I think they were worth it because they gave me just some confidence before right. I before I came out to LA. That's so interesting. We I kind of had that like same path because I, I I didn't do it for theory because I did theory back in the day while I was learning piano and everything. But I did it for guitar, like blues, jazz, and rock. It was a blues, jazz, and rock like certificate from Berkeley. Okay. And it was it was really good. It was nice. It got me into a, like some music that I hadn't heard before. You know, pentatonic scale, all of that basic stuff. I started getting into the blues, how that that all works. And then basically, so the reason I went to LA, I applied at three different schools: McNally Smith in uh, Minnesota, 
Oh, yeah. um, Berkeley and then Los Angeles College of Music. Um, I chose LA because I wanted to be as far away as I could be from where I was from, but not leave the continent because I still wanted it to be English. I know I can go to Australia or a place like that, but you know, I just wanted to stay in like English in a place that was like relatively the same as my culture. But I, I was, I guess like when I was growing up, I, I slowly did things on purpose to try to work to myself towards independence. And part of the reason why I went to LA is so that I wasn't one, I wasn't like a drive away from home. I wasn't one flight away from just coming back home if I'm feeling homesick or whatever. Yeah. I was two flights and a drive or three flights from home, which is a much bigger thing if you're trying to reverse yourself. That's an and interesting I did song title, Three Flights From Home. Three, ooh, yeah, that could be good. Might have That's to it. write yeah, that one down. We can collaborate that like on that one. That's a country rap record right there. That's a country rap record. <laughs> yeah, country yeah. metal. Yeah, yeah, three flights from home. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that was part of the reason because I knew I was like, look, you're going to get homesick, but why, you know, just rip the bandaid off. And I did get homesick, you know, that, you know, in the first couple of months. But um, that was one of the reasons. The other reason was LA is the entertainment capital of the world. So great. Um, and the other reason was I actually could not imagine what it would be like to have warm weather all year round. <laughs> I was a full, full bred Canadian winter boy my entire life. And I hear of these, like, and you see it in the movies and everything, and you're like, it's warm over there in January? <laughs> what? It just still, like, it, like, I couldn't compute it in my brain. So I was like, well, I'm just going to move there, and we'll see. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I love the L.A. winter. Uh, by the way, Winter Boy, another good song title. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's... You're just dropping dimes over here. Yeah, it's all, all Canadian, you know. W the weekend's got his star boy. I'm over here with my winter boy. Okay, I lost it now. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, so so you, I mean, what was that experience like then, being in LA after growing up in Canada? Oh man, it was like, it was totally different. Like, um, yeah, I guess if I can, I remember when I first got here, I knew a buddy that lived in LA already. So he picked me up. We went to go play tennis because he's a tennis player or whatever. And I remember showing up um, late at night to meet my roommates. And it was just, it just felt very chaotic, right? I I, uh, I didn't know who I was rooming with. I just kind of fell into it. And you know, I guess I had had roommates in the past, but like everybody knows, the older you get, the more important it is who your roommates are. You know, that becomes a very important decision very quickly. Uh, and I, I kind of got lucky. I got a, I got some good roommates and and just uh, just being able to walk around in the sunshine all the time and never look three and a half years after living, living in L.A. for three and a half years. Right before I left, like the day that I left, it was still it was obviously sunny. I left and I remember thinking to myself, it still blows my mind that I can't remember the last day it rained. I never know the last day it rained because it rains so infrequently. Oh well, so you got, and you that that whole time was the the dry. You was during the drought in L.A. too. It it has gotten a little wetter since you've left the last few years. I mean, still okay. you know not not yeah. much, but we did we right. did, we we have some somewhat rainy seasons now a little bit more. Ah, uh, so I was in at the good time then. 
I don't know about that. I mean, we were like running out of water and stuff, but yeah, it's true. Actually, uh, that was bad. I, I remember getting those notices on the door and everything and being like, what? We like you get a fine of five hundred dollars if you use water inappropriately and please shower with less water. Yeah. Water. Yeah, it, it is pretty crazy out here. And there's so many people. We, we just got to stop giving all the water to all those golf courses. Oh, and the yeah, I don't know. We could. That's I, we're we're get, we're skirting that the line political, towards yeah, political, that gets political real quick. which I want to completely stay away from. On this, yeah, yeah, on this yeah. platform uh, as much <laughs> as possible. It's uh, but yeah. So okay, so you're in L.A. Uh, a winter boy in L.A. Winter boy winter in L.A. Boy. I like that. Uh, and then you end up going back to Canada. Talk to me about. Because from Canada, you end up in China with our yeah, mutual friend, I, Ryan Bradetich, who I'm sure I'm going to have on the podcast sometime soon as well. Right. Um, talk to me about that transition, because you're a winter boy in L.A. for a while, back to winter boyness, and then end up in uh, in the East. And let me tell you, did we ever have, we had some strong winters when I came back. Let me tell you, I we bet, had record-breaking oh, winter. So this winter boy was was building tunnels out in his backyard, basically. <laughs> I can see was, that. It was pretty fun. Yeah, I, the transition was was crazier than Canada to L.A., that's for sure. But basically, I remember, so yeah, Ryan, fellow friend of ours, bass player, um, I was talking to him a year before I left, and he said, dude, you should really get over here because there's some good opportunities, um, and you know we could get you in. And I remember saying, nope, not ready. Why? Because I hadn't fulfilled those two goals for myself yet. Filling bars had been had been done, but I hadn't actually released a record yet. So once I did that, I basically, I think it was uh, maybe September of 2016, and I contacted him and I was like, hey, you still going to hang around in China for a while? He was like, yeah, I think so. And I said, you need a roommate? Sure. Okay, I'll be there. And I left in two months, just got right up. And I remember this conversation with my mother. Oh yeah, this is so funny. Yeah, I was out on the deck with my mom and my great aunt actually, who is uh, 91 now, still living on her own. Yeah, killing it. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, so I remember sitting on the deck and we were talking about something, and all of a sudden I was like, "Oh yeah, I, uh, I got to tell you, mom, um, I'm going to be moving soon in uh, November." Oh, where are you moving to? China. And I remember my aunt, it's a good thing she wasn't holding a glass of water in her hand or something because that thing would have been gone because her face just dropped. And she like looked at me and then looked at my mom and then looked back and my mom wasn't phased at all. My aunt said to my mom, are you, are you fine with this dude? You don't look shocked at all. And she's like, oh, he, he does this all the time. It's fine. He does this all the time. And it's true. I had done that, you know, enough times that I guess my mom just wasn't, my mom wasn't phased at all by the fact that I was just going to get up and, and go to China, I guess. Um, well, aside from LA, what was the other? What were the other? Oh, towns? England. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was all prepared and ready to go to England, and I forgot to tell. Like, legitimately, I just forgot. I just forgot to tell them. And I had some friends over in the house, and we were chilling. And then one of them mentioned something about England, and my mother was in the next room and came in and went, "What? Excuse me. What's what's going on? <laughs> this was in 2008. You know, I'm like I'm I'm like 18 years old. You know." And uh, she looked at me. She said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Oh, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you. I'm. I'm leaving for England in a week and a half." 
I kind of jolt, jolted her into it, I guess. And then, uh, yeah. So I just, you know, I, I like flying by the seat of my pants a little bit. And that's kind of what happened with China too. But it's like, once you make a decision to go, you just pick up and go. What's the worst that's going to happen, you know? So I, I got to China um, and then basically basically had to grind out at jobs I didn't want to do for six to seven months before I, I had a chance to talk to um, uh you know, some music people in the business there and then was able to get my, my toes in and, and start on, you know? Yeah. I, I'm sure you have, you, you have to have a bunch of stories from China. So hit me, hit me with one or two, man. Oh, jeez. Um, I, I think yeah, I remember I mean, you, your first gig was kind of rough, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was actually. Yeah. Okay. All right. The first gig's a good one. Yeah. So, okay. So as everybody knows, when you're doing first of anything, you over-prepare like a motherfucker as you should, you know? So here I am like preparing, preparing, preparing like nothing. And this is, this is a, like a level of, of playing that I haven't done yet before, which is like festival, several thousand people type of thing. I like the most I'd ever done really was, I think maybe 500 people type of type of thing. Yeah. And then a lot of bar shows. So, um, so we walk onto stage, everything's, everything's ready to go. Now we get on stage before the artist does, cause we were playing for this, this pop artist and we're on stage ready to go. Okay. Everything's good. All right. And I'm doing that whole thing where you check everything like a thousand times. And yeah. You, like you don't have to check it that many times. Is my volume up? Okay. We're good to go. Is this pedal here? Am I in tune? Okay. I got my in-ears in. Is the pack connected? We're all good. Oh, are my batteries good? Okay. Yeah. No, no. Batteries are good. Okay. You know, you're just checking everything a thousand times. Cause my head is just like, Oh man, what if I play a wrong note? You know? Yeah. So we get to that moment and we, we have, we have, uh, some background tracks that are, that are playing along with us, right? Just like some background sounds and stuff like that. So we're playing to a click. So, so as soon, as soon as the click starts, we start the track off for some reason, something went wrong with the drummers in ear set basically. So, the click started going and he's supposed to come in and he came in at a different part and we started following the drummer. And now instantly from the very beginning of the set, we were off the click right off. Fun. Oh my God. Let me tell you. Wow. Did that ever feel crazy? It was just, Oh my God. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the band leader is talking in her heads like, okay, we're off the click guys. We're off the click. We're off the click. I followed the drummer. And the drummer's <laughs> just trying to go and play the song and he can't hear shit. Oh man. That's oh awful. man. In those pressure situations, it's just, your heart goes from like, boom, it just goes right through the ceiling. But we got through it. We got through it. That's quite an adrenaline rush, right? Oh man, right I off mean, the bat. Yeah, but I mean, look, once you get that out of the way and you get through it, then you go, okay, as long as I have the right musicians around me, we can get through it. Because look, yeah, the worst thing that you can do in a set is stop. Don't stop. Once the <laughs> song starts, don't stop. Now look, okay, yeah, there's probably a couple of little situations and emergencies or things like that where you have to stop, you know, buildings on fire or whatever, or like any other, or like somebody, like the singer falls down because now he's unconscious or something. Like like little things like that, of course, yeah, you have to stop. But that's probably not going to happen to you. So the principle is never stop. Once you start the song, you can't stop. That's the worst thing you can do. And uh, we didn't stop the song, obviously. But when you have good professional musicians surrounding you, you can trust the other people in the band with you and you piece it together as you go, right? 
Yeah. And a lot of the times the, the audience doesn't even notice, even if like you're totally off doing something that's completely different. I mean, I started a song one time. The piano player actually started the song, but he started it with a completely different feel. We played the entire song with a different feel. Like we were like bossa nova this straight thing. <laughs> like, because he started it that way. So the drummer came in to match him and then the bass player came in and then I was like, all right, I guess we're doing a bossa nova version. Because <laughs> oh, you don't stop. Yeah, so many stories are flashing through my, my brain as you're talking about right. these things. I mean, <sighs> uh, there's been a handful of times in my career that um, that I've just felt like running off stage uh, and, yep. and I think each one was because uh, everybody just stopped you know oh, yeah. for some reason uh, and a couple of them were yeah well I think they they all at some point for various reasons maybe everybody was too drunk or one person was too drunk or something or or just everybody got so off that there was just like this is there's there's no going back at this point. <laughs> right. Uh, but that's one of the worst feelings where I'm literally like, like in the cartoon world, or it would be like, okay, that, that was the last note I ever played on the bass. You know, it's just like, that's it. That's, yeah. and that's my career. That's, like, that, 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 that's all folks. Right. Well, it's like, uh, you, you mentioned Conan earlier. Like he, he'd get to the end of like a bad joke sometimes where he got no reaction. You'd just be like, and that's it for me. Thanks. And like, you just like, he, that was a running <laughs> gag that like, and yeah. he left and he yeah. never returned to comedy <laughs> after that. <laughs> so sometimes I think about that. Uh, yeah. When there's just those oh. bad moments on stage. Man, I had this one time. Okay. So I was playing this, I was playing in this, uh, this cover. We were doing some cover songs and stuff for some corporate party, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, we were playing the song Valerie. Right? Yeah. So we're going, why don't you come on over, Valerie? And we're going. And the plan is, okay, when we get to the end, it's just Valerie. And I'm going to play this like little kind of riffy solo thing. Right. And we're just going through, going through, going through. Everybody is just grooving and we're hitting this next level. And then why don't you come on over Val. Drummer stops playing. <laughs> the rest of the band didn't know this was going to happen. This was like a freight train going from a hundred to trying to stop at zero. And everybody's flying out the front window while the train <laughs> has stopped. Like that's what this fucking felt like. I, uh, I've never had, I've never had it be such a stark difference of like a stutter step stop. Cause the drummer literally hit the cymbals and then stopped playing. And everybody else in the band was like, oh man. Ends with a whimper. Oh my God. I turned around to the drummer and I was like, okay, first peace and calm. Peace and calm first. Okay, good. <laughs> now, I went to the drummer and said, "Hey, what what happened?" And he said, uh, "He said, oh, I'm sorry, man. That's just, I was just. Uh, that's how my other band ends it." Yeah. And like what? So you play with the other band, but you're like, what are you doing in your head? Like you're aloof somewhere else, and your your muscle memory just stopped where the other band stops, even <laughs> though the entire like I'm in the middle of a solo. Right. You know, but you know, I I just I just said to him and said, okay, no worries, buddy. Just uh, just for future reference, never, like, let's not do that again. Okay, let's not do that again. Like, yeah, like, look at me, look at me. Let's get some eye contact if we're gonna stop. You know, 
Right. That's just being on like autopilot pretty much. Oh, it was autopilot for point. sure. The dude was just in his head, like thinking about, you know, he's got to do the dishes when he goes home or I don't, I don't know what else was going on in his head, but something. And then he just stopped, even though it was very clear nobody was supposed to stop. Right. So. I mean, you can kind of, you know, you, you can empathize or sympathize. You, you could see that happening. I definitely like have multiple bands that play like the same cover differently. Um, right, right. And, and it is tricky sometimes because it's like, but it's not, you know, like a big stop like that. It's like, oh, this one substitutes this chord here for some reason. Right. Or some this one, chord. or this one does this re intro two bars longer, two bars shorter. So, you know, and it's just got like, sometimes it just catches you like, oh, I was a, yeah. But usually, you know, a second later, you're back in. Dude freight train um, and the entire people went through the front window that was it that's what it, i felt like i went through the front window because the train stopped yeah that's you know? rough that's rough yeah. man all right what about what about some more china stuff i want to hear more china because you go from you know playing playing bars in canada just for the listener if you don't know andrew uh which you should i mean you should know andrew but he's he went from you know playing the playing in Canada to playing like stadiums and these huge festivals, basically the equivalent of Justin Bieber in China. Uh, so these huge festivals and, and, and stadiums and, and TV shows as well. Right. Right. Yeah. And the yeah, equivalent the TV would be, cool. what would be like the American equivalent of the TV show? Shows? Oh, like uh, American Idol. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. We yeah. did a lot of those, like the singing shows and such, like either like a girl version of the singing show or a boy version. Cause they would do that too, where it's like just girls on this one and then just guys on this one. And then like a mix, the young ones versus old ones and stuff. They just, they make up so many different shows. There's like 35 or 40 major ones over there. Really. Wow. There's a lot. I mean, China has so many people, right? So they've got a large, large audience. Yeah. yeah I mean, man, it felt like, like, it just felt like jumping into a giant pool and not knowing if you're going to be able to swim, but you know, you know, operate uh, like opportunity meets preparation. That's what luck is, you know? And that's right. kind of how I, I treated it. You know, I, I tried to prepare as much as I could, um, and put in the proper effort. And then when the chance, when the opportunity comes, you just jump in, you're always going to be scared. You're always going to be flying by the seat of your pants in those cases, at least in the first couple times right and i mean i can tell you a couple times that were like oh man oh just even thinking about them now just raises my heart rate but um go for it okay yeah okay so i'll tell you one time that i almost screwed the pooch very close very very close so we're doing a uh a, a tv show and uh some of the tv shows the the artist would come up front right he's in the front but sometimes he wants some band members up there so they'll pull us up because um were foreigners and such and they like seeing foreigners on it it's like a good influence for for the for the artist and you're um, tall with long long hair at this point so you right, just yeah. you just have this yeah. like uh, this lead it's, guitar it's, exotic it's like a look for thing them. right yeah. they they everybody around the world's always always doing like what look are we looking for on stage right so and that's another thing too to play into right is trying to get your look to match something that makes sense on stage so that people will want to put you on the stage yeah. So there I am on stage. Okay, we've rehearsed this rehearsed this song a bunch. It's a it's a big rock song. I got a solo at the end, um, and uh, so right before, 
I'm I'm standing I'm standing on the stage and on the side I can see on the big screens it's the uh, it's the commercial break in between right in between each artist they put up so I can see the commercial break going I got a guy talking to me in my head okay one minute okay thirty seconds and at the thirty second mark I brought a little bit of volume up onto my guitar just to scratch bring my hands across the the strings just to make sure I got a sound and I had no sound oh god and I brought it up all the way feeling. and there's no sound and I'm going shit 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 because Oh man, you can't, you can't do this. You the do this one running. time, one time and you're gone one time because yeah. they can't, they can't have that happen. Right. So, Oh my, Oh yeah. I'm like starting to sweat and I'm wondering oh what's going God. on. And then I realized what the problem was. My pedal board, which was down in the band pit. Cause I was running wireless at this time. I left my volume pedal down on my pedal board. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. So I'm looking back at the other, I turn, I turn around and look at the other guitar player who's back in the pit and i'm trying to get his attention like hey 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 hey, and he sees me and i just go pedal board pedal board pedal board and he's like uh what and then he goes oh and then looks and i see his whole body he dove down to my pedal board literally <laughs> five four oh three God. two one he gets the pedal board at, he he pushes the volume pedal back up within the last five seconds i bring my volume up and here we go Boom, first chord in. Oh, oh man. And God. then you gotta play the song after that. Yeah. <laughs> my nerves are all I'm already shot. My nerves are already shot from the possibility of I almost messed it up to now my nerves are shot and I still have to play the song. And uh yeah, and there's like, look, the camera comes up to your face and there's like forty million people watching it live. Yikes. Wow, I got it. I mean, China's got so many people, like that's you know. Yeah, that's just like one province <laughs> uh yeah right yeah. dude i just got i got a flood of anxiety just just reliving that story with you oh my god yeah um, i mean i, I almost I, screwed the pooch but it was fine i did it fine the solo was fine at the end and then i got off there and you know what that guitar player said to me as soon as i came back he looked at me he was like bro i just saved your ass yeah i just saved your <laughs> ass <laughs> And that's Chung. That was Chung. Our buddy oh, Chung. Chung. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Chung. Thank you, Chung. You did save my ass. And yes, thank you. Oh I'm God. forever in your debt for that one. That's for sure. Yeah. What's what? Remind me Chung's full name so we can give him a proper shout out. Yeah, it's Chung Huang. Yeah, Chung, amazing guitarist who also went to school with us uh, at at Lama LACM in LA. And he was kind of the major hookup for, for Ryan and yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was. Um, he basically, I believe that Ryan was playing in, in some other bars that were, that was in China. He, Ryan had a hookup through, uh, Ben Masters, I think. Oh, okay. Right. Also um, a great and, drummer here in LA. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Ben Masters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, he got a hookup through through Ben to play at this uh, to play at this place in another city in China, and then Chung found out that Ryan was there and invited him up to meet the producer and such. And then Ryan got in with them, and then Ryan was like, "Hey, you should get over here." And then I came over, waited in the wings, waited for my chance, type of thing. When the chance came, you know, you just jump on it. Yeah, that seems to be uh, often the case for people who are just wondering. I mean, I, I know I, I get those questions a lot too, just like, how do you get your gigs and, and stuff? And uh, definitely for you, you know, playing these big stadiums and TV shows, I'm sure you get that a lot. Or, or people are, if anybody's listening, they're just wondering like how you get that gig. And like you're saying, I think it, 
so much of it is who you know and just creating uh, and maintaining these relationships with other musicians. And yep. we, I think we've, we've talked about it before that everybody wants to play with people they like, you know, people that are cool to hang with. And so the best, the best thing you can do is just figure out, you know, how, how do you, how do you become someone who, or not, not that you're trying to be somebody you're not, but like you want to be someone that people want to hang out with. So figure out, you know, your, your attitude and that, that comes with, or there's a lot of things that go into that, your preparation. I mean, people want to play with people that they can trust that are going to prepare, but also that they're just fun to hang out, hang out with. And, you know, the, the smallest amount of drama and stuff would you, if you want to piggyback on that, I know we've talked about that before. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly it. Look, before I, before I went to LA, I, uh, uh, so I I found this uh, this band that I loved listening to. Um, I was able to find one of their guitar players. He had a blog, and I was able to find his blog thing. And I just kind of like wrote him, not expecting to hear back because this was a big band, right? One of my favorite bands to listen to. And um, I just kind of like sent him a message and was like, "Hey, I love the stuff that you do." And um, I'm just wondering if you have any advice for a guy like I'm about to go to music school. Like I, I want to do this for life. And, and his advice was, look, it's 25% talent and 75% if you're cool to hang. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And it, it, it was kind of like, Oh, really? Like, you know, I thought you just need to get as good as you can and then people will hire you. No. You need to get good. You definitely still need to be good. Like, let's not let's not uh, get confused here. You still need to be able to do the job and be very good. The thing is, is there are so many good guitar players or drummers or you know whatever instrument you want to talk about. Yeah. There are so many. Like the threshold to being able to play the songs is is high, but it's not so high that you only have a couple people that can do it. Like we're not talking genius level here. Like it, it reminds me of uh, when we had the the Wrecking Crew in. I don't know if you remember at LA, we had a, a members from the Wrecking Crew come in, the, yeah. the famous LA studio group, right? For sure. And they were saying the same thing, like in terms of uh, of their jobs and playing all of these hit, hit records, they were like, look, they never treated us as if we were something special, even though obviously we both think they are. But it, it was like, a, if you're not ready or if you can't do it that day because you want to do something else, there's a hundred guys waiting behind you for that job, you know? So it's, you still need to be able to do the job, but you want to be the guy who comes in the room and everyone's like, oh, fuck yes, he's here. He's on this gig. Oh, awesome. This is going to be a good time. Yeah, it's about the hang. I mean, I think, you know, it's more nuanced than that, of course. Like, everything's more, <laughs> in, in right. life is more nuanced, but but it's just a good uh, kind of food for thought to to remember that there's so much more than just just learning how to play well like that's a, a that's a, a given like if you right. if you're not if you're messing up if you're not good enough talent wise you got to spend time on that because no matter how cool you are you know the, at some point you're going to lose the gig because you become yeah. a liability that way but there's just so much more to it and you see so many really ta- I've, i mean I, i'm sure I, I'm, I'm definitely not alone that you come across so many just amazingly talented people who 
maybe have just burned a lot of bridges and right you and it, and it's it's sad uh but it, it become you know it's it's really apparent a lot of times like oh well if they just if they just worked on themselves a little bit like uh and, and weren't such a drag to hang around they could really go anywhere kind of or thing. if they stopped uh shouting their political views every time something <laughs> happened you know Oh yeah, exactly. yeah. There's yeah. that too. Well, yeah, that yeah. There's there's a d- bunch of different examples right. of it, but we we all have come across those people, and you know, just being aware of that. That's like, okay, how do I how do I not be that person? Or one thing, and I think I've said it before, uh, but it's just uh, hopefully just good to 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 bring up again is like control what you can control. Like I right. I really try to see it that way. Like I can only get to a certain level on my instrument, uh, but there are a lot of other things that I can control just by effort and just being aware of what I'm doing and, and organized. And those are things that will just only help you. Um, I can't, I can only control a certain amount of how I look. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. But so I'm not going to, I'm not going to get the, if they're looking for somebody in their early twenties now, it doesn't, you know. Yeah. There's nothing we can do about that. Yeah. But there are a lot of things that, that I can control and, and, and just trying to figure out what those things are and, and how to improve. Yeah. You get it. I think it's a, it's for us being all like kind of introverts in a way. I feel like a lot of musicians are that way, or at least we work ourselves into it. It's a very social job. Right. That's a good point. That's a good you really point. Like your your work is going to come from people that you've met and the connections that you've made. All of your work, like you're not going out, you know, ha- handing in like a resume for what you're doing when you show up for your job. Like they're gonna be like, oh, he was recommended by this person. Can you play the shit? You can play it. Okay, cool, good. You know. There's yeah, no, and, like I went to the school or this is my resume or this is my pat, you know. It's not on LinkedIn necessarily. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All of that is useless. Like play well, work hard, but you have to meet people. If you don't meet people and make those connections and you know, constantly be humble. People can pick up on energy of somebody that thinks they're greater than they are. You know. Yeah. And there's too many really amazing artists out there that are so humble about their own shit, like none of us are are good enough to not be that way. Yeah, and it's a fine line too because you want you got you want to be confident. Uh, being playing with confidence is is just so important. But it's like, how do you do that and then also remain humble too? Like without being arrogant, right? Right. So trying to find that line, and I think uh, just talking about like this being such a social job, uh, and a lot of us being introvert, introverts, or at least a lot of bass players, maybe. Um, or, or one of my one of my, one of my uh, fellow classmates said, like he thought all bass players were on the autistic spectrum at some level, <laughs> <laughs> which I was like, oh, that's interesting. I never thought about that before, but okay. maybe there's something to that. But no, the point just being like, uh, being like, uh, being extroverted was not something that really came naturally to me. Like, I I was I'm kind of more in the middle. And that was always an intimidating thing. And, and for any listeners, that might be 
be an intimidating thing to hear that it's like so much about being social. Uh, but I think it is something that for me, it wasn't like, okay, I'm not going to like constantly be going out and meeting 30 people because that's just not me necessarily, or at least definitely not on a nightly basis. Uh, but if I can like go out and try to like, all right, my goal, if I'm going out to a show, a jam, what, like, I just want to make one connection tonight with right. somebody. If I make one connection, talk about music, talk about maybe exchange a, a card or whatever Instagram right. handle, uh, then it's le- at least it's it's a baby step. And so sometimes just creating those small goals for like, all right, I'm going to go to this jam or I'm going to go to this show. Let's just force myself to make one connection tonight. Right. And even a small step like that will just, you'll just get better and better at, at doing that. And it can grow. And it can grow yeah, organically true. too, just not even being super social. Well, yeah. And I mean, like, it doesn't have to be an active thing. You don't have to actively be an outgoing person. It's right. kind of like, well, okay. So there's a guy I went to high school with and um, he never really said much. And like, he, he was just a nice guy, but yet everybody loved him. Yeah. Why? Because he never said anything. He never said anything dumb or edgy or stupid. <laughs> it had not like he wasn't, pa- he wasn't actively an outgoing person, but yet he was, he was really smart and he was good at what he did. So, uh, everybody liked him. So it, it, if we can compare this to, to musicianship, like you'd only, you just have to do the bare minimum of being kind and being on time and, and being somebody that other people can feel comfortable around more so than like, you don't have to go out and be the most outgoing person and meet this person and start this conversation. Right. Be a good musician and then don't be the guy that everybody hates, you know? That's a good point. Yeah. It's not necessarily like an active, a super active thing, but just. Right. You don't have to actively yeah. go out, but if you can do your job well and you're also a kind person, people, everybody's just going to love you. That's the that's the response, you know. Oh, this guy's great. Oh, you know that guy? Oh, yeah, he's great. He he didn't do anything really to be great. He just didn't do anything to fuck it up. Right. Well, again, there's nuance to that too because you gotta you gotta get out <laughs> for people to to note to notice that you're well. Cool, yeah, you cool still to have be to around. go places. So right, yes, we all know those people too. Her just amazing musicians, and they just are in their bedroom playing every day. Uh, which we all do that, but like, it's like, damn, that that guy should have a lot more gigs. And it's just like, you got to get the ball rolling too. Yeah. Um, So yeah, there's nuance to it, of course. So yeah. So uh, why don't we get back to to some more China stuff though, man? Like, I feel like there's so much, (laughs) there's so much to talk about with China and you you playing all these huge shows. I know that there's at least one more good story in there. If you yeah, lots of, lots of good gig stories for the Gig Story podcast. Exactly. Hit me, man. Yeah. I'm ready. Oh, man. Well, you know what? Actually, I was thinking of one other story that had to do with basically the whole thing we were talking about. Like once a song starts, like you don't stop. Yeah. You know, it just can't it just can't happen. So I was um, I was doing this show and uh, everything during during the rehearsal, I went up to the monitor guy. And uh, he's the guy that's set for anybody that doesn't know. There's always a front of house guy who's out in the crowd. And that's the guy that's controlling the sound that everybody hears the audience. And then there's a guy on the side of the stage 
who controls all this uh, sound that everybody on stage is hearing. So sure. I went to that guy, the monitor guy, and I asked him if I could just have uh, more acoustic in my monitor. And he said, yeah, yeah, okay, cool for the show, that's fine. So we get to showtime. And for some reason, and I don't know why they did this, but we had in-ears, but we also had floor monitors. Not sure why. It's one or the other usually, right? Like yeah. Pick one, you know. Um, and I had my in-ears in, and we're about to start the song. Okay, so playing this playing this gig with an amazing singer, amazing singer. And it's the beginning of the song is just him and I, and I'm doing finger picking on the acoustic. And the song starts up. As soon as the song starts up, I hit my first note. And what happens? I get feedback because it's a bass note. And the guy turned the floor monitor up right. while my guitar was sitting right beside the floor monitor. And and if anything, if you guys know anything and we in the audience knows anything about feedback, as soon as you hit that note, it's just going to rumble and go. And it just like picks up and it, it just continues until you stop it. So as soon as I start playing the song, finger picking this nice love ballad on <laughs> acoustic and these bass notes are coming back and punching me in the face from the monitor. So I had to immediately adapt my playing to hitting the bass note and muting it a little bit right after. You can't cut it off completely and it sounds weird, but I would play it and like mute it a little bit as the rest of my my uh, hands are playing, the, you know, the rest of my fingers are playing the rest of the song. And I'm just thinking in my head like focus, focus, because as soon as that happens, the problem with like the problem with that scenario is as soon as that happens, your mind starts going everywhere else. And even though like bad things are happening or something's getting messed up, you have to keep your focus in the straight line. That's what's it's, it's not abandoned ship. It's right. never abandoned ship. It's keep your focus there. And while this is happening, <laughs> this is this is going to sound like it's not even true, but it is. So the as soon as the song starts, one of the camera guys who was on stage, he he hit the the power cable to the set to, to my fellow guitar player there's two guitar players i'm playing beside the monitor this other guitar player is playing right beside me and the camera guy goes by and unplugs his power his pedal board by accident he just tripped on it with his foot or something <laughs> right. unplugged it this is a kemper and for anybody out there that knows the kemper setup kempers take 60 seconds to turn back on if they turn off yeah. So this guy is freaking out because he has to come in pretty soon. I'm coming in first for the first part of the song, and then the band comes in like within a minute. So he's freaking out. He goes down onto the ground to to plug his cable back in or his uh, pedal board back in. As soon as he does that, he hits his music sheet and knocks all of his music off his sheet. <laughs> so all of this chaos is going on on the right side in my peripheral. All of that's going on. Then on my left side, the feedback, the bass note feedback is happening and looping in my face, and I'm just like, focus, focus, focus. And just continue to play. And uh, again, we got through it. But I sometimes I wonder how, you know. So it's just just chaos, just things that you know happen. And it turned out fine. I mean, the audience probably noticed the paper going on the ground or whatever, and the guitar player picked it up and he plugged it back in, and he was fine for his cue. It was close, but he was fine. And uh, yeah, I just for the entire song, I I played it. And then once the band came in, I stopped playing the bass notes. And then you know you just modify what you're doing. The important thing is is that. Never stop and keep your focus. It's not over. It's not abandoned ship. Right. And I've, I've definitely had that a number of times where somebody's like kicked my cord out of the, the pedal board, like oh, walked brutal. by. And that's that's always brutal because I, I'm just I'm just 
silent at that point, you know? Yeah. And then everybody, suddenly everybody on stage <laughs> turns and looks at me because when the bass drops out of a song, <laughs> it's a little... It's, al- it's almost as noticeable as the drums. Like, you guys are the next ones after the drums. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah, especially when the bass is loud and present for, like, a, a big, bigger, like, whatever, club or what, really right. anything. Um that's always a frantic moment. And sometimes I, I won't have seen it. You know, I might not be standing right next to my pedal board and suddenly I'm going to play and I'm just getting zero. And then it's right. like, what? And then you're just like running around playing like, all right, because you have all these points of connection, right? Like that any of, yeah. if any one goes out, so then you have to run, okay, did my something get unplugged from my amp? Did it get plugged from pedal board, from my bass? Like, did the battery die? Like whatever. Uh, yeah. That's a that's a tough feeling, <laughs> for sure. Do you remember? Do you remember that time I was a shithead and didn't get my pedal board fixed, and it kept messing up on us when we were playing Roger this? I I've I hope you forget that. That would be really nice if, if you actually forget that. Because I don't. Well, I, the funny thing is, I've just I've played with so many people who have constantly have tech issues. I mean, it's just part of <laughs> part of the the thing, I guess. But there's some people that just always seem to. Always yeah, seem to yeah. have a tech issue, like you know, one every gig or every other gig or something like that. And like, like, I know some of it might be a financial thing where it's just like, hey man, I'm just well, yeah, they're Jimmy right now. That's why he keeps doing that. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes it's not. It doesn't even seem to be that. It's like it's like, why do you always seem to have an issue? So what you your pedal board just we, came we were playing at remember. the um, what was that like house place? Some people lived there. Oh, <laughs> in Silver Lake was it? It was in Echo Park, the the Echo, Echo Park, right? The Echo Country Outpost, which yes. is, will always remain dear to my heart. Um, just an amazing like DIY art space, living space, venue. Used to have just, uh, unfortunately, it does not exist anymore um, in LA. But for a f- couple of years, few years there, uh, it was just a, an awesome place to go for like parties and shows and I, I played a number of times there and met so many amazing artists and musicians and and different people uh through so yeah, yeah that we, place was really cool yeah we I, did I, our I, uh what did we, we did a couple shows there with roger this we did our mm-hmm. our ep release the, i think the ep release yeah and we also did the the bon voyage show for for pierre luigi as well <laughs> right the, and I think it was the first one. Uh, it was whenever the time was that I used to wear pink pants, white shirt, and a mustache. <laughs> yeah, that that just seems par for the course. Yeah, that was that was my par for the course. But I yeah, I just remember I just kept having like issues. But they would work at home fine, and then when you show up, then they don't work. And yeah, no, Always those days are over. You're over. That's an important thing too to 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 know just for the audience is like. Even if your gear works at home, don't just expect it to work when you get there. So have backup plans, like have backup everything. Sure. Backups are good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I know you had another you had another story that that you've told me before that I I wanted to I wanted to hear again. Something oh God, with what the, story uh, is this? Kevin confetti? and I have been friends for ten years, by the way, people. So there's it, this could be anything. <laughs> right. The one I'm thinking of, I believe, had to do with a confetti cannon. If if that rings any bells. Oh, the conf- 
Oh yeah, yeah. Wasn't okay, it? Yeah. Isn't that? Yeah, I'm right. Oh yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I I remember that. Okay. Yeah, the confetti. Oh shit. Yeah, I mean, again, unless this you is have something better, goes, unless you have something better huh? than that. Uh, no, I mean, like this. This is a this is a great uh, this is a great gig story as well. And in in terms of like, um, just another example of keeping your focus when shit goes south because shit will go south even when it getting hit, hit in the face with the confetti cannon oh my god yeah so, sorry to you yeah, know i'm on a that. i'm on this i'm on this show and we're we're basically like uh i don't know if i'll be able to get this image right for everybody since it's just audio but we're basically in a horseshoe uh <laughs> like shape on stage and the two ends of the horseshoe are at the front of the stage so i was at the very front of the stage right beside, um, I guess, facing kind of like to the side of the stage, right? So I'm there and we're playing the song. And I had all pretty much all the music memorized, but I did I did have like a music sheet down as far down as the as the stand would go. So um so we're at the so I'm at the front of the stage basically playing this and it, it's in like a rock it's like a rock song, right? And I know that I, I I know what's going on. I got everything. I do have the music to the side just in case I'm like, okay, which song? All right, that key, that part. Okay, yeah, now, now I'm good. Um, like reminders, basically. So I'm playing through and we get to the bridge, right? Coming down for the big bridge chord. And what happens? Confetti in my face. Because there were <laughs> confetti cannons lined up at the front of the stage. And for some reason, like, I don't know, I guess whoever had that set up didn't think it was going to bother anybody. So I wasn't told that we were going to have confetti flying out of cannons. So I was, I was like two feet, three feet from nah, no, nah, a little more than that. Right. Uh, I don't know, but it was, it, it blew up in my face and I couldn't see for about <laughs> five or six seconds Yeah, about that. Yeah. And you're, you're in the middle of a song playing and all of a sudden a, a confetti cannon and I can't see anything and I'm still playing and it's like, Oh my God. Oh my God what and all everything's just going through my head like who the fuck set up a confetti cannon and didn't tell anybody about it or at I least didn't tell the people for, at the front of the stage it was probably there for another show <laughs> so oh my god just... yeah and somebody just like leaned over and hit the button and went oh shit i wasn't supposed to hit that you're fuck, right okay that's fine i guess anyway it was all over me and it was all over the music but again it's like when things like this happen you just focus up and you get better in your focus and you just stick with that and let it, you know, just keep going basically. So I had to keep going. And then I was like, okay, I think I know where this chord goes. It would be this chord next and then wipe the confetti off the music stand and, <laughs> and, and keep going. Well, there are worse things to get hit with when you're playing. I, I was once doused with like silly string at a, oh, man. <laughs> at like a Halloween show. I think it was. Oh, that's definitely, that's definitely worse. Cause that and, stuff sticks to you. Oh man. And I, I think I made the mistake too of not realizing like how gross it was going to be on the bass. And I, I think I didn't properly wipe it off after the show. And the next time I got the bass, it was just like disgusting out of the case. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, that was one that I was like, damn, this sucks. Cause I, it was just, yeah, you don't realize how gross that stuff is. Yeah. Um, That's, I mean, both of our scenarios are better than if fire came out. Yeah, I was you know. gonna say that. You know, of course, you have to. Th you can't help but think of James Hetfield uh, mm -hmm. getting hit with uh, pyrotechnics. But yeah, is that him worse. in that video? On I, I see that video circulating on Instagram. Oh, so there's a video of it. 
I don't think it's James Hetfield. It doesn't look like him, but it might be like an old video of them or something. No, it's some guy with long hair and the pyro goes off. And just because there's like, like hairspray or something in his hair, it just catches on fire. He does not move or miss a note. Whoa. And a, people come out from the side. His hair is on fire. It is totally on fire. And he's <laughs> still singing and playing along. And, and guys come out from the side of the wing and are just like patting it out. He doesn't miss a note. He doesn't even, it's like he didn't even notice he was on fire. I mean, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty Jeez. baller. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I would notice pretty, pretty fast. There's no way he didn't know he was on fire. He just yeah. chose to continue and trusted that somebody was going to get to the fire before the fire got to his head. I mean, he might have been on meth or something. That's also possible. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Um, you're right. Oh, actually, that's an interesting segue um, to, to another topic that I just really wanted to to pick your brain on, which is, and we've talked about this at length before too, but uh, just, you know, you are a, if I, if I may say so, a marijuana enthusiast, and we've talked at length many times about just your comfort with getting stoned and performing and i'm just curious where you're at on that currently and just if you feel like like how how you feel like it affects your performance either in a positive or negative way yeah that's a good question because actually um la kind of got me into the marijuana oh you Um, weren't as into it before la i didn't know you before la so (laughs) yeah exactly i i started like when i was you know, a little bit before that, but I didn't know how to inhale basically. So it took a couple months to, for my body to actually figure out, Oh, this is how you do it. Okay. Oh, okay. There we go. But I mean, I remember getting to LA and then I got my license like right away and being like, okay, I'm just going to do it like maybe once or twice in a week. And within one week I was doing it all the time. It, I just fell into it. Right. But, um, yeah. So my entire time, uh, being in LA was full of marijuana playing. Um, it's an interesting thing. It's kind of like marijuana is different for everybody, you know? Yes. And I think through time, I've just kind of realized that marijuana doesn't work in the body the same for everybody else. I'm a high functioning person with that. I get up. I want to do stuff. I want to get going. You know, a lot of people, it's the opposite. Sure. Depends on the strand too and everything. Um, it's almost like a, it's almost a thing you got to figure out for yourself in a way. But if I was to give some like, overall general principles for the, for, for doing it or not. Um, I stray away for it. If anything is important on stage, which now like you should consider every performance you do to be important. So, sure. um, I, I, I used to get it, it. If it's like, uh, so I, I guess, okay, let me start with this. So back when we were playing in bands, um, back in LA and stuff, I used to get really lit before shows because it, it enhanced my experience, which I felt like if my, if my experience is enhanced, I'll be able to enhance the energy out to the audience, which I think can work Interesting. Um, in cases where you know the music and if the music is not too complicated. Yeah. Because I think there is a level of, because I mean, marijuana slows you down a little, little bit. It's let's be, you get a little aloof. It slows you down a little bit. It definitely enhances creativity it enhances that type of stuff, but there's a trade-off, right? So in terms of like, if I know the music really well and it's like jam music and I'm going out to just just get that feeling and get it going, like if I'm going to go play a reggae show, yeah, I'm going to be stoned <laughs> for every one of them, every one of them. 
uh, if I'm going to go out and play some complicated funk, you know, odd time signature stuff, probably not. No, no, I'm going to, I'm going right. to do it after. Or a TV show in front of 40 million people. No. Yeah. And in China, no, there's none because it's illegal there. So, and it's not right. worth it, you know, for those types of things. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I use, uh, like nowadays I use it more so in like listening to music or creating, but for performances and such, I, I don't, I don't do it for performances as much now. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Have you ever had any, any experience? Cause I, I like, I've definitely had, I, I rarely, I guess this is one of the differences is like, uh, you, you know, you were more of a regular, at least back when you were in LA uh, right. so I think maybe it wasn't as big a deal for you to, to get stoned for a show. Um, where for me, like, since I don't do it very often, that's much, a much bigger change in, for me mentally. Right. And so I really, I've hardly ever, um, crossed the, the two performing and, and, and getting high. A couple times it has happened there was one show, I don't know if I ever told you this, a long time ago, that, I mean, it was just a jam. It was a house party. Like, that was the idea of the show, was like, hey, we're going <laughs> to get really stoned and then see what happens and not talk about what we're going to play. Oh, before. that was the whole plan like, for the that show. That was the okay, whole plan. Yeah. And I was like, well... and they And so when they asked me to do it, it was like, would you be in, you know, it wasn't like, Hey, we're going to force you to get stoned, but it was like, if you want to do that, like that's kind of part of the deal. If you want to do that. And I was like, okay, I guess kind of a win in Rome kind of thing. Uh, yeah. and it was fun. It was fun. I, I listened, it we were, it was recorded. Actually, the funny thing is that was before I moved into this house that it was at this house <laughs> that, oh, that I, that nice, I live in, okay. in my studio yeah. where I'm sitting right now. Uh, before I moved in, uh, it was just a little house party, and uh, the the quote unquote band was called Chocolate Covered Fungus, oh, man. Um, with my good buddy Scott Kyle and uh, his good buddy Five Track, and and yeah, it was it was interesting. I I listened back to it, and and this was also a long time ago, so uh, hopefully I. I'd play better now, but like I listen back and I'm just like, man, I wasn't, I was just in my own head. I wasn't like <laughs> listening to other listening people to the other musicians yeah. uh, enough. And it was, it was cool, but it was just like, it got boring after a while listening to it. Uh, I was, I'm just wondering right. if you've had any like experiences where you're like, damn, I, you know, I guess eat to, to either side where you would feel like, man, I'm, I'm so glad that I got high. Cause like that was such a, like a, a religious experience or when it right. went the other way and it was like, yeah, I shouldn't get that high. <laughs> it was a religious experience in hell. Yeah. Could go either yeah. way. Uh, I, thankfully I've never had a bad time on stage, meaning like I never had like mess ups and stuff because I was just too gone to play, you know? Yeah. Cause I, well, I, as you said before, like, yeah, I, I've, I used to do it all the time. I was totally used to the thing. I mean, look, one time we were taking exams uh, at um, school, right? So yeah. my exams is playing guitar, playing some songs. And it was like 
it was like 8.45, 9 in the morning. And I've been like, oh, man, i got to play some exams today. I looked outside and it's like, it's gorgeous outside. It's gorgeous <laughs> every day. But for some reason that day, I was like, oh. And I thought, man, I just want to smoke a joint right now. I know it's 9 a.m. and this is awake and bake, but I really just want to do it. And then I weighed I weighed the, the you know my options here and I thought, well, one of my exams is playing Black Dog. And I can only imagine that Led Zeppelin was playing this song on crazier things than marijuana. So I decided to go for it. I smoked the entire joint by myself, got lit as fuck, and I went to school, <laughs> and I did the song. I talked to the teacher like a like a month later after I got uh, after it was totally done. I was like, yeah, I was like totally lit for that. He said, <laughs> oh, I couldn't tell at all. You played great. It was fun. I'm like, oh, great, great. No, it's good. So I think I think that like lends itself to that difficulty level too, because Black Dog is like, it's a great song. It's not that difficult to play, right? And it's yeah. it's like it's more of just like it, it just depends on like your level and how you can you know if you can balance it or not. Basically, best to stay on the default side of maybe not not doing it when you perform, because if you get yourself into a situation where you feel like it's too much, you can't unravel that. You're high now for a while. Yeah, you can't flip a switch. So no, it's I guess it's if you do want to. Go down that rabbit hole. You, you should at least uh, pr practice how you're going to perform, love, kind of thing. I love getting high when there are jams happening. That's when it's that's when it's pure. That's when it's good. Sure. Like if you're going into like like uh, you know you got the the lead like like when you when when we were playing in Roger this and you'd come to the band with like a new song or something, um, you know we get set up for rehearsal. I'd get all my gear set up and then I'd go outside for a couple minutes and get you know what we used to call get right, you know. <laughs> I gotta go out and get right first, and then and then you come in, and then it's it's like I get to hear the music that or the skeleton song that you have for the first time, and I'm in this like area where I can really like have a almost like a mind expansion. There's no crowd, there's no uh, there's no pressure, and I'm just like creating some ideas. So we record whatever we're rehearsing, right? And then later I can take a look at that and be like, oh, that's kind of a cool idea, and I can do it soberly and actually technically do it better. But in, I guess it's I guess if I was to sum it up, it's like it's more of a creative tool than a performance tool. Yeah, that's a great point. Very different uh, doing it, you know, performing versus in a rehearsal setting or a jam setting, creative setting. Totally. Right. And oh man, like that just I, I definitely miss those days of playing. So Roger, this was our our band in L.A. The one time that I was a front man, <laughs> which yeah. was that was a, a crazy thing for me and, and still really special um, because, it, yeah, it was the only time I've ever been a front man and just getting to play with the, the three of you guys, you and Ryan and Pierre Luigi were like three of my best friends to be in a band with three of your best friends like was so cool. I did feel it was, it was intimidating for me for number, for a couple reasons, being a front man and also just, I was a bass player still. That was my number one instrument. So all three of you are on your best instrument and I'm <laughs> on my like second and third best, you know, yeah. far and away from far away from from as good as I was as a ba bass player. Hey, and man, you did a pretty good job. Thanks. Well, I yeah, I'm 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 so glad we did it. I I know we were just scratching the surface of of where we could have gone with it, but you know, I'm I'm super happy with with what we were able to put out that stuff's out right. on uh 
think it's still on Spotify and iTunes and uh, Hey man, we got three new fans Bandcamp. on our Facebook page the other day I saw. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, yeah, we did. Oh my <laughs> Haven't God. posted anything in like five years, but yeah, three new people. It's great. Oh wow. I, I I don't think I've looked at the Facebook page in three years. I guess I should maybe look at it, but welcome to the to the bandwagon. Yeah. Uh the band, yeah. The, <laughs> Yeah, so I just wanted to say, man, like that was such an amazing experience for me working working with you guys, and that was so much fun, even if you guys were going and getting stoned before rehearsals. And <laughs> and before shows, too, and be, I'll be honest. Yeah, and before shows, too. Yeah. Uh, it also makes a difference, too. Like if if you're like, um, if, if I'm singing, and if, if I'm like the lead person, I'm not going to go smoke before I go and try and sing. It makes no sense. Right, that was a big thing for me. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I, I can't sing if I, if I smoke. I just, right. I have no like lung capacity for some reason. It really affects me that way. So, right. Uh, I just got to deal with you, you stoner dudes, like g- cat giggling and cackling at <laughs> stupid things happening. Oh. <laughs> but it was super yeah, fun. True. Yeah, there's nothing better, you know. Like it's, there's just nothing better than playing with your friends. Yeah. It's the best. Playing with people that you like and playing with with just great musicians is is such a special special feeling. Truly. Um, and when it's yeah. when it's both, it's even better. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, and I mean, look, before before COVID hit, I think I played probably my best show. I think the best show I've ever played in in my life right oh, before yeah. COVID happened. Yeah, and it, one of the reasons for that. that is because the people that I was playing with in this band were people that I had played with for a while now, and we all were buddies, and we all trusted each other on stage, right? So it was just like, like we played a show. We only did we did two rehearsals for it. That's all we had. That's all we could fit in time wise in our schedules to do this show. And yeah. I think it's probably one of the best shows that venue's seen in years. They just went they they went ape shit. Because this was in Canada. No, this was in China. This was in China. This was in okay. China. Yeah. So we played, we played the show, but it's just like the drummer uh, is a good friend. Who's also, he's done MC work for a while. He's done this for like 20, 20 years, you know? Uh, And then Ryan on bass and this other buddy of mine um, on guitar. And like, when you, when you can go on stage and, and, and know that even if things sound like maybe they're about to go South or somebody doesn't remember something, if you have the right, uh, musicians on stage people that are that are seasoned and know what they're doing it's going to be fine like there were so many little moments that like i even remember one one moment i hope brian doesn't get uh, mad that i say this but <laughs> at the beginning one of my songs starts with a bass line and ryan couldn't remember how it started oh god so he can't so like like we just finished the song and he's supposed to start and he goes i can't remember how it goes i can't remember how it goes so so i just went wow but down down with my guitar and then he came in with a bass and did it and then we were fine and the crowd's not going to notice they have no idea <laughs> yeah i just gave awesome. him like a little inch forward right we had a busy schedule at the time like there was just not enough time to practice everything perfectly right sure but uh oh so so many and just the amazing moments like there were moments in the show like i got up on top of the drum set n- not planned just felt it because the drummer is just killing it. And I was like, man, he is killing it. I'm getting up on that drum set. I'm going to talk to him for a second. So I get I get up on the bass drum and start facing him. And I'm like, you want to go, man? Let's go right now. Come on, give it to me. Give it to me. 
And he's just like playing. The crowd is just loving the interaction, right? It's all this like they can feel the fact that you guys, that the people on stage are feeling it, you know? Yes. And it's, uh, yeah, and it, it's just, it's the best, you know? That's awesome. Well, and like you were saying with with uh, the thing with Ryan, sometimes that's, when you're not like super comfortable with the music, that, that can be the hardest thing. Like when you have a, the beginning of a song that's just right. you, to remember how that goes sometimes that that can be the hardest thing when there's nothing else going on usually like if if the drums start or the acoustic starts or whatever the other instruments are then a lot right. of times that'll that'll jog your memory uh, well you really just, just need one chord most of the time or like one sure. note and then you're like oh yeah 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 i got it, I got it. or somebody to go bump <laughs> right because then you're like oh yeah i got it i'm fine i'm fine yeah but it's, yeah it's the whole starting thing like you really have you have to know it inside and out if you're the person that starts for sure yeah, and those are, I mean, I, I've definitely witnessed some very funny moments when there's like an iconic guitar line start and the guitarist forgets the how, how it goes and just kind of like butchers the intro line where it's by itself. Man, that is that, that makes me cackle for sure <laughs> when it's yeah. like, you know, like I'm picturing like if anybody listens to country, like, like the beginning of Drink in My Hand, that's like this kind of... And somebody just just totally... It just like plays like a different rhythm, and you're just like... Right. I don't know. For some reason, that, that tickles my Plays it my like fancy. totally separately, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, speaking of, of messing things up, I'm wondering if, if you'd be comfortable talking about getting all, fired. All of my shortcomings? Well, we don't have enough time to talk about all of your <laughs> oh, shortcomings. All the, all the but... shithead moments that I have. We should talk about some of them for sure because uh, yeah, yeah, least, I, yeah. I definitely had my fair share of shithead, shithead moments. Whatever you um, think like the, maybe is the most entertaining one to talk about. Well, look, I think this is a good... It's good to get this out for people that are that are listening, especially you know younger musicians just looking to get a feel for you know what happens in the music business and just realizing that everybody messes up with with shit you know you're never yeah. going to get anything perfect um and it's just about like getting up doing doing the best you can to right the wrongs that you've done and continue um learning from I, your mistakes that, this <laughs> this particular story has a lot to do with you because i i fucked you over oh. actually is is what it was and lovely uh, yeah i'm sure you remember this one there's no way you'll forget this one uh not for the rest of your life <laughs> so there's a there's a we're we're still at uh, LA Music Academy. I think I graduated, but there was a party happening there, and I had spent uh, the hour before the party had started doing a power hour with some guys on uh, online, which is basically for anybody that doesn't know uh, the song. There's a song list playing in the background, and every sixty seconds the song changes, and you have to take a drink. So I finished like five five or six beers. Usually a shot of that. beer. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm deep in it already. Then I go down to the cupboard and grab a uh, half bottle of tequila um, and never forget the top, top hat on the way out. You're going to a party. So that was me wearing my top hat. Okay. Got into the subway, went down to the party and spent the party. I remember you being there and I just, I had that tequila bottle in my hand the entire night, just taking shots pretty much. And then I split the worm at the end of the night. And I remember you drove me home <laughs> that night. <laughs> We had a studio session the next day. Like I was going to MI at that time, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, 
the I had eight hours booked from 12 to eight for uh, this session. We were recording the new Roger This stuff, guitar stuff specifically. Right. And you dropped me off. My last memory before waking up in the morning was you saying to me, uh, hey, man, you going to be good for tomorrow? You going to be good? And I just went, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No problem. No problem. Open the door. Blackout. Gone. <laughs> I woke up the next day at 12 when the studio session is supposed to start. I woke up. I looked at the clock and went, oh, shit. It's 12. I bolted out of bed. I rocketed out of bed so fast, my body didn't have time to calculate the fact that I was still drunk and hungover so badly that I shouldn't be able to be walking. So I walked around for about 30 seconds being like, okay, pants, pants on, this on, I gotta get going right now. And then it all flooded on top of me, those feelings of just like, you had way too much to drink and no water <laughs> and very little sleep. And somehow, so I'm running around and then all of a sudden I literally just collapse in the house. And now I'm lying on the ground like, oh, fuck. And then I puked. And then I went downstairs and I found, man, people are just going to think I'm a disgusting idiot. I, I found the bathroom totally puked all over. And I was like, what? And it was just me and the dog there. So I was like, either the dog did this or I did this. <laughs> and the dog didn't split a tequila worm last night. No, so. certainly not. So I looked Unless and I was like, he was oh, the okay, one you split puke it the night before, puke in the morning. I can't even stand up. And I remember calling my buddy Zason, who was a, a colleague of mine at MI. We split that time, right? We were doing it together. Yeah. I called him. I was like, oh, Zason, I fucked up, man. Shit, I fucked up. Okay. And he was like, don't worry, man. I'm going to come pick you up in my Yaris. So he, he, he comes in, I am literally just lying on the ground. He looks at me and goes, Whoa, dude, you, you know, you don't, you don't have to do this, man. You can't even stand. And I was like, no, I have to do this. I fucked this up. I'm not going to, we are, we are recording. We will record something today. We will. And I'm lying on the ground. He grabbed all of my, God bless his soul. He grabbed all of my gear, everything, including a pillow for me. And I was able to muster the strength to half walk and crawl my ass to the car. And I laid down in the back seat with the windows open and the pillow. And he drove all the way to MI. It's like a 20 minute drive and uh, <laughs> caught all the way to the door. I mustered up the strength again to walk past the security guard without letting him know I was in no shape or form to be in that school. Walked straight into the studio, laid down on the ground. Zason set up the entire session by himself and we were we were in uh studio a we're in this huge studio with with the duality the 256 SSL, yeah yeah and he set up the entire session by himself did the entire thing i laid there and when he was ready he was like okay i think i think we're ready good to go i crawled on my i not even my hands and knees like stomach on the ground into the room and he put the guitar around my neck and i played the song like that we did one take at a time we did one <laughs> take and i'd take a three minute break because i have to breathe and then we did another take. Oh, and man. unfortunately, I also forgot to get you that guest pass, so you weren't even allowed in. Dude, that entire time I was recording, I was like, Evan's never going to be my friend again. I'm <laughs> such an idiot. I fucked this up so bad. Oh, He's never, man. I'm going to do this, and then it's going to be, you know, see a man. <laughs> Good job fucking it up. Because that was the second time I forgot your visitor pass. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was wondering if you were just going to gloss over that point. So that was, yeah, that was the second time that we had scheduled uh, the sessions and I had, I think both times I was literally waiting outside MI 
and you forgot to get the me a guest pass and I had to just go home. <laughs> yep. And oh man, I definitely cursed your name a bunch that day. <laughs> but um <laughs> I uh you know Granted, I deserve it. Right. You did. Uh but yeah. no, I I guess I I guess I'm a forgiving person and it just shows how lovable of a of a of a weirdo you are that oh, thanks, uh, I couldn't stay mad at you too long. And I mean, well, I we... I... go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just, I was just going to say, I think the crux of all this is to like apologize for what you do and then do, do your absolute best to show the other person that your intentions are in the right place. Maybe, maybe you, you fucked up. You know, I got way too drunk the night before I was having a great time. I have some weird videos from the night before that are very interesting, but yes, and it, you know, it was just one of those nights that was awesome. There's a lot of people around you having a great time, and I just lost control of that, right? But the next day, like, it's it's important to show the people that you know that you that you've messed over that you're going to do your absolute best to get this right. So there's no way, even though that was that was maybe the worst hangover of my life, one of the worst ones. And it's funny to say that that might not be the worst one because that you know I, there's tons in the bag there, but yeah. Um, that was one of the worst hangovers of my life, but there was no way in hell I was going to go back to bed and not record. I would record while puking if that if that had to take because I knew it was my <laughs> fault and I knew I messed it up and I was going to do my absolute best to get stuff out of it. And I mean, it was shitty, but we those are the guitar parts. <laughs> those are the ones. Well, and I, that was uh, the, that you were redoing the guitar parts that day too, right? Right, right. Yeah. So that was already one, the tone or something or something about it wasn't right. So. Well, the first time was, <laughs> so that was the makeup section. The first, the first time you were doing guitar was the first day that you forgot the. Oh, past. that I f forgot you. Yeah, and, and then so I did it without you, and you're like, and you, it's not exactly what. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, I wasn't able to be there, and you show me it, and I was just like, you can do better, honestly. Right. Yeah, right. and go go get drunk and be hungover, then it'll right. be better. Well, I was like, yeah. let's schedule another one, and. <laughs> And then you fucked that one up. Uh, man, yeah, it was definitely like a oh man, how do I how do I forgive this guy for for this? But um yeah, you you know, we couldn't have one of the things was like we couldn't have done that without you. Like you were the one going to school there and getting those sessions. Uh you made it all happen. Uh so I I couldn't be too mad at you because that we just couldn't have, have even gotten those recordings done without you. <laughs> right. You were vital well, I, to the process. And, vital and, uh, to make it work, right. Right. And, uh, you, you know, we had a, a strong enough friendship foundation that uh, yeah. it, it could withstand some some storms. Wasn't the first rodeo, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it wasn't the first time you fucked up. So it... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> won't be the last either. Won't yeah, so the, for all yeah. the people out there, just show your intentions. You're going to fuck up. It's fine. It's going to feel terrible, of course. Show your intentions. Don't just don't try to shift blame for things because that always feels better in the moment. If you right. can if you can just rack your brain with some mental hoop way of making it if you can just change your perspective in your brain to blame something else instead and make yourself the victim. That's the worst thing you can do. That's Take a good it. point. That's a good point. Be accountable for it and own up to it. The the the, the yeah. The more you try to shift the blame, the less someone's going to be willing to forgive you. 
Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Aside from that, I would just I'd just be curious if you have any other advice for aspiring musicians, for artists, uh, anyone who wants to get in the music industry, either as an artist or or as a as a sideman. Right. Yeah. Because those are different jobs. That's for sure. And that's a different thing to chase too. Definitely. Um, I mean, the best advice, I guess, is you got to figure out if you love it. Yeah. You got to figure out if you're doing it because you wake up and breathe this. It's your morning coffee, right? This is you wake up and you want to play this instrument or you wake up and you want to do this. If that's the case, then it's probably the right thing for you. Because look, most musicians don't make shit. We don't. Even a lot of the famous ones don't even make that much, you know? Like, uh, yeah. I, they probably make less than what you think they make, unless you, you know, you're talking about some of the famous side guys or artists and such like that. Like, it's just, and it's actually, it's kind of a testament to the fact that the internet has rolled out a better medium ground where the economy for musicians can be shared across many talents, right? It's kind of opening it up in that way. But if you're going to be into it, if you're going to get into the music business um, because you like playing or whatever, like do it because you love it. Never forget that. You know, you do, we don't do it for any anything else. Like I know I was saying earlier, like to be able to get your career going further, if you're playing your own music or anything like that, you may want to see how people react to things and change based on that. And that's a part of it, but life is yin and yang. So never forget that. Like when I was 16 in the Starbucks and everybody left, I had to remind myself, I don't fucking care. I'm doing this because I like to play and I want to play. Then once you get to that stage and you realize that's your ground floor, then you start, you know, you you, you want to tweak things a little bit so you can become more successful. But always do it because it's a part of you. I like that. I like that, yeah. Now, uh, going further with that, like, what, do you have any goals currently for your career or or anything that you that you're you really want to accomplish still and that's a great question because i honestly don't know if i've ever like i had those two goals in terms of i want to make a record and i want to do this but and maybe this is a fault of me too but i've never really had long-term goals i just want to play i want to play so i'm gonna play and uh long-term goals yeah i mean look china kind of just fell into my lap in this weird way and i was never expecting any of that to like i never expected it to boom into into what it was you know right um and i mean maybe i'll go back maybe not i mean we're still in the middle of COVID. i can't even get back if i tried all my shit's still there too by the way (laughs) i know everybody out there god i haven't seen my guitars in oh god that's awful so long it's like 15, 16 months now. Yeah. I'm bored with my guitar right now. Oh, okay. I at least have to go back to get my stuff, but it's like, do you restart? Do you try something else? Like, what if something like, like you, and the thing is, is like long term planning is good too, but always be prepared to switch, man. Always be prepared to switch because you never know what's going to happen um, in your life. You know, I came back to Canada to do band stuff for myself, put a record out. And then all of a sudden I moved to China and I haven't put out any of my own music since because I've been so busy doing stuff with other people. Right. And that's, you know, coming back to Canada, I've been working on my own song because I want to get my, like, I always want to have my own music going out, even if, you know, I'm working for other people or whatever, because it's our own, it's our own creative outlet. Right. There's, there's tons of times you're going to play music for people and you're not really going to be into that music that much. 
So you always need your side thing, your own thing going too, to kind of feed your own soul. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. That's, that's a tough thing too. If you, right. if you get really busy with other people's music. <laughs> which right. I, and that's, and that's what happened in China. I got busy with other people's music, yeah. which is fine too, because, um, you know, another thing in, in, in China, like, um, as you know, I've never been like a guitar player, guitar player. Meaning like when I was growing up, I didn't listen to Iron Maiden and Metallica and Van Halen and all of this stuff where it's like virtuoso guitar stuff. So people start learning virtuoso stuff. They want to play guitar. I started by playing piano. Right. I played piano first for like 12, 15 years or something like classical piano, just all through the RCMs. I did all of that. Um, and I basically just went into the guitar because it's a different instrument and a different way to express yourself. But I never went into the guitar being a guitar person. So um, piggybacking off that is like, I never was really that great of soloist. I was good in terms of like um, like rhythm playing. Um, I don't know if you remember at, at school, I was, all, I was almost always called on to be in, in bands as a second guitar player because it was very recognized that my rhythm was very good. Like four, four, five, four, six, eight, whatever time signature you want to get into, seven, four, it's all good. I, I could play those things because I felt them right. in, in a way. Like I didn't, as long as I heard it a little bit before, I could feel my way into it and it was fine. But in soloing, ooh, that's, it was never my thing. So when I got to China, I figured out, uh, you're going to have to make it your thing. You're going to have to be, because they love that shit over there. Yes. You know, they love the, they love the shredding and everything. And I was just like, oh, I can't even do that. I cannot do that. So I remember having this moment where it was like, okay, so now I would love to focus on my own music, but I have to focus on my technique and getting my soloing up to par. You know, otherwise the jobs are going to start. Otherwise I'm going to stay a, a second guitar player or the jobs are going to start going to other people, right? Yeah, so that was one of the things, you know, I had to just, I had to switch gears for a little bit, basically. That's a great point. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about that earlier when we were talking about China was just that the, your style would have only got, like you said, only gotten you so far when you went to China and, and you, you saw and, and knew that you had to work on certain things to, uh, to get the, get those big gigs. Uh, Right. And that, and kind of with, with a piece of that, it's almost like to get into those things, you have to find a way to love it. And I didn't yes. love it yet. So it was uh, there was right. a piece of this that was exploring virtuoso guitar playing type of music and just keep listening to it until you find something that you like and grab onto that because that's going to give you the inspiration and motivation to actually work on whatever it is you're trying to work, some technique, you know? That's awesome. That's a great point. That's super cool. So what? Uh, I'd be curious if, I mean, if, if you're willing to name some of the, those artists that you played with in China, I'd, I'd be curious... Yeah, I mean, I've got them. I've got some uh, on my Instagram there. Uh, I played with uh, Li Yuchun, who is uh, known as Chris Lee, is her English name, and uh, another guy named Dimash, who is uh, from Kazakhstan. Uh, I played also another large artist would be uh, Jolin Tsai, is another one. And uh, yeah, I mean, there was a ton along the way. I mean, uh, also uh, Chris Wu. I've done a little bit of stuff with him before. Um, I, was, I feel like I'm on the 
I'm on the burner right now. I've got to remember all the names. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sorry to sorry all to right. drop that. What well, or like if, uh, like the TF Boys was another um, big one. Like a it was like a boy band that we played with. Okay, cool. Well, I'll I'll get a full list from you after, and I'll, I'll put it in the intro. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just in yeah. case you forgot any. The TF Boys have a crazy fan base. They're they're like dedicated people. It's it's amazing to see really. With they there was a show that we were playing um with them at one point and um well we actually the uh we actually couldn't rehearse in the stadium um the day before because there were so many fans outside the stadium. The uh the cops there were afraid that there were gonna be like some issues that they'd have to like monitor the crowd because it was just way too many people. And if they start hearing the music, they start going ape shit. <laughs> so so we had we had these other rehearsals that, that we had to do in other places. We couldn't even do it there. It was it was insane. But oh, it's wow. it's lovely when you get the chance to see like dedication to that level, you know. Yeah, I guess that's one more thing I would just be curious just to to hear about is playing playing those huge shows and just that feeling of having such rabid fans and and being in front of thousands uh, of oh, people. Man. Talk, talk to me about talk to me about that feeling. I'm getting goosebumps. There's nothing, there's nothing like it. Even though I know like it's not love and adoration for me, I'm just getting the runoff. You know? <laughs> uh, adjacent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the adjacent <laughs> spot. Yeah. But it, it's, it puts you in this spot where you're like, wow, this is how, this is like at least just that little silver lining of a feeling of how, how they feel just having this much, like, it's almost like just that much attention on you, which is, yeah. which is what's interesting, you know? And it kind of it kind of adds to the pressure, but it also adds to the experience as well. What was the first first one like? The first time you played like a huge stadium, and how many people are we are we talking here? Um, I mean, the first first big gig I did like that was at was at a outdoor music festival. I don't remember the first like indoor stadium one. I'm, I can't remember what would have been first there, but. I mean, yeah, we're just, we're talking big stadium crowds. It's, 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 you know, it's a crazy thing. Um, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't even really know what to compare it to. You know, I guess it's just, you know, some of the guys that I follow on, on Instagram, some of the, you know, the crazy good guitar players, they all say the same thing. It's just this, like, it's this energy and feeling that you just get from being in front of that many people and having like such a response, right? It's all of it's it's the energy response is what we're feeling like. Yeah. I give them my time and my guitar playing. I give them everything I have, and they give me everything that they have. And it's this like give and take, like a beautiful relationship from stage to audience. Yeah, that's amazing. How long were how long do our our shows out there with those big artists in China? Um, it just it de it depends on what exactly you're doing. Like sometimes you'll have uh, it might be. Um, like a like a smaller stadium not quite the full thing they may use like half a stadium to do like an event for something and you may have like six or seven artists where you'll do four songs but then you also may have a tour where you've got two full sets and you're playing for two hours gotcha yeah that's cool man well i, I hope you uh i hope you get to experience that again i'm sure it's you know I'm what sure though you man with all of that like feeling in these huge shows playing for like pop artists I still got to say the best feeling was playing in that bar with my buddies. Wow. 
it's 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 like yeah i mean and uh, like anybody who's out there listening to this right now and you got your friends you got your bands with your buddies and you're playing stuff and you're having a good time like cherish that shit because that's that's where it's at you know it doesn't you know that's you're just trying to connect inwardly as much as you can and you're trying to give that as much as you can to the crowd and hope that they also want to give it back to you and when you can get that give and take going and uh and you're playing with friends and just this environment that's just so like i don't know kick ass or something like that's that's where it's at that's what i want like i want to play this the bigger crowds are cool too and obviously the feeling is is totally different but when you're playing with a crowd that's like 60 80 people type of thing it's almost like it's almost like just a slightly larger amount of all your friends you can see people in the crowd one dude's doing the same thing after every song and you got to be like hey man uh, come on are you gonna you gonna ask me to play Freebird after this is that what you're gonna do and you start joking with the crowd a little bit like that and such yeah. it, it's so cool it's just a great time that's awesome man i yeah some of my favorite some of my favorite shows i've ever played were were with you with roger this um absolutely yeah I miss that. Hopefully, we'll get to share a stage someday again. I don't know if it'll happen. Either way, we, we have memories. Man, be totally down. Let's all move to Austin. <laughs> Why don't you guys come to LA, dude? I got a studio <laughs> we can record. <laughs> That's true. You still got a couch, right? You know it. It's got yeah. your name on it. And probably I'm, your, I'm, I'm your, the couch guy. It's got your name on it. You're staying on it. Oh, God. <laughs> same couch um dude uh, yeah just uh in closing and by the way thank you so much for your time this is absolutely this has been awesome um i'd be curious just what what you're listening to these days yeah uh, so um I, I i got a couple in in terms of uh in terms of like guitar playing I, i've really fallen into i love playing funk music it's Me so too. good especially like in a bar setting where you just yeah. get the like you just get that groove going and it just goes and goes and goes and goes and you just want to oh it's so good you just want to dig in and dig in and dig in so uh, i've been listening to a lot of cory wong lately oh yeah me too from Wolfpack. oh shit, yeah. i love his stuff cory and the wong notes yeah man that's some good shit i'm loving the stuff that he does i find it's really good he's got a new record coming out too soon with david oz the uh the elevator saxophone the god of elevator saxophone music oh yeah yeah nice. yeah they're 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 combining their like uh genres i guess or their talents into this uh actually a live band they're gonna do it live anyway oh, cool. so cory wong's one of the guys that i've listened to um matu sato is one of my favorite guitar players on instagram unfortunately he's not on right now he's he's disbanded his account for a little bit he's taken a hiatus huh. from the social media craze but you can still find him on instagram obviously under the tags and everything he's yeah. such a great player um I've been into Anderson Pock for a long time. Yeah. Still loving it. And I, I, I feel like there must have been so many people around the world that had the same thoughts as me, which was Bruno Mars is one of my favorite artists <laughs> in terms of like, I actually like his old stuff. I'm not, I'm not as into like, um, with like hand grenade and stuff. I, I never really liked that song particularly, right. but the newer stuff. And in terms of like a performer, Bruno Mars is like his top 10 performances are better than most people's ever. Like it's sure. crazy. He's so good. So I remember thinking, like, oh man, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pac, wouldn't that be sick if they like did a band thing together? 
Silk Boop. Sonic, baby. They did. <laughs> they did. I saw yeah. that and was like, oh my God, did they read my mind or is everybody just thinking the same thing as me? Obviously, sure. everybody's thinking the same thing as me. And everyone's like, dude, these two are perfect to make a band together. And they did it. So, so I mean, I'm really excited for that record. Um, yeah, me too. Leave the Door Open is a great song. It's such a good pop song, too. Like, it, it took me some time to figure out. It's not just run of the mill. Changes keys, has a bunch of cool stuff in it. Um, as for the two newest artists that have been blowing my mind, uh, one would be Jacob Collier. Yeah. For anybody that has not heard of Jacob Collier, get on it now. You turned me on to him. It's amazing. Oh my God. He is the Mozart of pop music. It's, I put his record on as I do sometimes when I'm driving. I'll just be like, oh, I'll listen to this new guy, see what happens here. I just put it on, not knowing what to expect. I had to pull over. I couldn't drive. <laughs> wow. It was literally stu. It, and this is, is, this is Jesse volume three for everybody out there who wants to know what record it was. Clarity is how he starts that record with that. And it's just like, it's so stimulating for a musician's mind and like of all the stuff that he's doing. I like, I'm, I think I was maybe at the beginning of song two and I was like, and I'm pulling over and I have to sit here and just take this in for a second. Cause this is way too much. I can't concentrate to drive. So he's been blowing my mind through the roof. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's incredible. The guy's going to be writing Disney soundtracks by himself soon. Like that's <laughs> the way it sounds to me. Jesse volume two, Jesse volume two is a Disney soundtrack. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so anybody out there, check out Jacob Collier. He's amazing. And my newest, the newest person I've just been listening to, and I've already dedicated myself to learning his entire record, is a guy by the name of Tom Mish. I don't know if, have you heard of Tom Mish? Uh, I, I think Sarah V might have, might have mentioned him as well. I, I, I still, it's been on my list to check out. But I, right. I so I, I, I don't know all of his records yet. He does have quite a bit, but I'm, I'm really stuck on his 2018 geography record. It's, okay. uh, it's great. And in terms for like guitar players specifically, it's very guitar driven. It's like R and B style music, very guitar driven. Cause he's a guitar player first. Right. So it's, it's a really nice balance for me in terms of like knowing some of the music, just from my head, like from theory, right? Because both you and I do, like anytime we hear a song, like you just, you're figuring out the chords in your head as it plays, right? It's just like automatic. For his, it's like some of them I know and then some of them, I have no idea what he's doing. And it's just, it's so fun to figure out the voicings particularly and the, the music itself. And it's just such a, it's such a good chill vibe and guitar driven. So like, uh, the reason why I'm learning the entire record is because when I put it on in the headphones, I can actually hear the individual guitar parts well enough that I'll be able to figure out what the voicings are. Because it's all about the voicings. Because if you just try to figure out like this chord plus this chord plus this chord and play it over top of the voicings that he's doing, it's not going to sound right because it's too specific. The individual chords and their layouts are too specific for you to just throw in 2-5-1 if it doesn't look the same as the 2-5-1 he's playing. Sure. That's anyway, sorry. That was a long thing. I've thought a lot about that guy and the music because it's it's so good. He has a cover on there actually. If you want to start with this one, he's got a cover of "Isn't She Lovely," okay. And it's I think it's the best cover of that song I've ever heard. Nice. You know, it's yeah. really interesting when you were talking about that. Just about how you listen to music, how you're you're instantly like kind of. uh 
what's the word, deconstructing it and figuring out the chords. I don't do that. And oh. I I wonder I wonder if if I'm alone in that or if you're alone in that or if it's just different different strokes. But when I'm listening to a new song, I'm really I'm really just trying to to experience it, <laughs> not to sound too uh, too weird, but um, yeah, I don't know. I it what if I if I'm deciding to learn a song, then that's when I'm gonna gonna get into that headspace. But I really don't. When I'm first listening to a song, when I'm just trying to enjoy it, I really don't get into the to that at all. That I'm like trying to figure out whether they're playing major and minor and voicings and I don't know. I just I I I really try to try to approach it more as just experiencing the song. So I I'm that just kind of was a little bit of a light bulb for me when you said that that I'm curious I I might have to start asking musicians on this yeah. like like what Cuz I thought that you would be doing that too. I mean, I need to get back to where you're at, man. Because sometimes it's hard for me to just be like, just leave it and listen. Because my brain automatic, and then maybe this is like partially because part of my job for a couple of years was also charting music. So sure. I would be given songs, and then the first thing I do is listen. And as soon as I listen, I go, okay, okay, what are we working with here? That's de- okay. Yeah. Well, this chord followed by this chord, six, four, five, one, or whatever, you know, common chord progressions. And I would just start deconstructing it that way and also like when i'm when i'm learning or if i I find a song that i really like i want to learn what makes me like it that's great that's a great point but yeah i thought maybe this was like more of a common thing i'm not sure well i guess it's probably musicians that do both right yeah and, and i might be the outlier there too um i think that's also something that maybe is not one of my strengths to just immediately know we're doing two five one and stuff like I kind of have to, I kind of have to be playing it and go uh, and see what happens, see what's what's happening. Um, and I can, I mean, I can. I'm not saying I can't hear stuff too, but um, I guess I, I can, I can more. I, you know, I'm trying to like think of how I how I experience new songs, but I definitely can like break out each instrument if I want to. And just focus on, and a lot of times I'll just maybe, okay, this bass sounds interesting. I'll just follow the bass through the whole song. Uh, or like, ooh, that dr- there's something cool with the drums. What's going on there? And I'm just kind of like bringing each of those things forward and, and making that right, what I'm separately. focusing on. Uh, so I definitely do that. I can do that. Uh, but as far as like figuring out the structure, that's not something that, um, just is immediately present or, or, or... Well, I, th- I think with you being um, a mixer, like you're yeah. a mixing engineer. So like, I, I think you, your strengths are more, I guess, geared towards like actual tonality and, and balance within a mix. Cause I, I passed you my song like a week and a half ago or whatever. And you found some like crackling and clicks that I did not hear at all. And I went back and fixed those. You know, like as soon as you pointed out, it's like left speaker, 48 seconds. And I go in and go, <laughs> oh, yeah, that is there. How did I not hear that? And I go in and, you know, find, isolate this, isolate that. And be like, geez, he he really, I mean, he only listened, like you listen to it twice, right? 
And it was like, you were able to catch that that quick. Like, yeah. That's, that's pretty well, I good. Heard, yeah, I heard him the first time, and then I went back and looked for the timestamps. <laughs> right, and looked for the timestamps, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I've heard it like 300 times, and I, I never right. heard it. Well, that's a good, I mean, just side note, a good a good reason to uh to have somebody else listen to your stuff yes but absolutely that's a good i mean that's just i love shedding a light on that that we're all just experiencing music differently Uh, right even though it's like you only have your own experience to draw from right so you feel there's part of you that feels like oh well everybody experiences it this way because this is the only way i know how to experience something and that's one of the reasons I love talking about this kind of stuff and and coming across things like that. It's like, oh, we're experiencing these things in such different ways. Right. Uh, and that's just super interesting to me. Uh, and, and and to your point, like, I have certain strengths maybe. Uh, I would like to think <laughs> that I have some strengths that I can kind of uh, lean into and draw from and other things that that don't come as natural uh that I have to like spend a little more but more time on if I want to map out a song if I want to see what's going on chord wise I, I have to play through it I have to see right. oh okay the, okay cool this is just 251 this is whatever um that's not necessarily immediately apparent to me but other things might be be you know ry- rhythm rhythm wise figures right. a lot of times like i can just get real quick where you know that that might be a more of a struggle or or like you're saying sound wise so I, I guess the point just being like figure out your strengths lean into that figure out your weaknesses and 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 how you can overcome them or how you can work on them and right. uh yeah super interesting it's kind of it's kind of cool like when you were talking about that we we perceive songs differently we all hear them differently and yeah. it's so true and i mean even our experiences, we hear songs differently depending on the time that we listen to it or what kind of mood we're in. But also like, I think this is, this is something that I kind of just realized over the last year to understand, like when you are listening to a song, okay, your, your brain can only focus on one thing at a time. That doesn't mean one song. That means one instrument. Your brain is constantly flipping between things in the song and capturing them, right? That's why there's always a lead point in terms of, of mixing, right? You have the song at the beginning, you have this. So when, when we're listening to the song, our brain is attaching to things and maybe it has a, a overall perspective of the underneath, but this is the reason why you can listen to a song 30, 40, 50 times, and then all of a sudden you go, okay, I'm just gonna listen to the drums right now because I'll, I'll, I'll do this. I'll go out on walks and I'll be like, okay, I love this song or I love this record. I'm gonna go through this entire song and I'm gonna focus only on the drums. I'm only gonna listen to what the drums are doing. I hear shit I've never heard before. Right. Because my brain is always being drawn into whatever the band and the mixing or the producer wanted me to get drawn to, right? For like a loudness thing. Or you know what whatever they whatever they have in front basically in that moment a guitar line in between the vocal parts or whatever. Yeah, that's super interesting. And and but even even with that, I wonder, as far as like picking out instruments, like I wonder if that's just a musician thing or an audiophile thing, where right. a layman uh, or or just uh, just someone who's not like super into music like can they do that i i don't know like i i honestly 
you know, we've been listening. Music's been such a big part of our lives uh, for so long. And and when I first, you know, started playing bass and was like, I need to just listen to the bass line. I've trained my ear to do those things. And yeah, you know what? One thing uh, that's related, like I was talking to my uh, one of my uncles who's super supportive and, and, and loves music. And one time I was talking to him and he said, well, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I don't really know what the bass sounds like. And I was just what? like, what do you mean? He was like, well, I don't know. Like, I know you're playing a guitar, but I don't know which thing in the song that that is. And I was Whoa. just and I was just like, what? that was like mind blowing to me that I was like, he doesn't know what the sound is. like. And I was just like, is this just a, an, a, a very rare thing or is that? more common than I than I even realize that people are just hearing stuff and they know the drums because that's a very how can you mistake the drums for anything uh, right. and they know what a voice sounds like but then like if you had like a bunch of different sounds if you have a synth and you have a bass and a couple of guitars that uh, they're really just not going to know which which is which and that that was just a mind-blowing thing for me to think about that like Again, just that we're experiencing things in such different ways, right? Um, yeah, that's so. I never thought of it quite like that in terms of like if you if you've never taken the time to try and like listen, really listen to music, and you just listen to it because you want to hear the oh, I love this bass or I love this thing in there. You may never have taken the time to learn the difference between these instruments. Oh, that's a that's a like a slide guitar playing between. Oh, is that a synth line or is that a you know, whatever instrument that might be. Yeah. Yeah. As, as musicians, I think we can kind of take that for granted a little bit that we, we, we can pick those things out and then, you know, trying again, just trying to like step back and just experience stuff, like, especially from a mixing uh, standpoint can be really tricky. Uh, Cause you, you can only hear it, you know, you're, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can only experience yeah. it the way you experience it. Yes. Uh, so that's that's been interesting trying to like step back and like figure out how to listen to things in different ways. But yeah. Anyway, sorry to take up so much of your time, but I've found oh, this man. chat very interesting and It's um, my pleasure. It's my pleasure for sure. It's it's always a good time, you know, talking about music and whatever, you know, and if if you know there's people out there listening and you can help them a little bit with with fun little stories and things like that and you know it's great awesome dude thank you so much great to see you thanks for being on the podcast make get some more stories and come back will you <laughs> yeah okay i'll go fabricate some stories no yeah. experience life no, and... no no i mean i mean fabricate is <laughs> in like i will fabricate them i will make them uh i know i just used the word wrong i didn't mean make them up anyway <laughs> You will. No, man, it's, it's been it's been great to see you, uh, even you know just through video and everything, and and uh, yeah. Awesome, man. Be good. All right, good chat with you. See you later, bud. Touch, oh, touch my bony. Touch, 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 touch my bony.